I want to start by asking you about credit scores. When you see this this, uh, image, the words credit score, does it fill you with terror? Uh, Is it something that's stressful for you? Uh, You know it too well. Uh, Maybe you've been having to check in on your credit score because your details have been leaked in one of the recent data breaches. And that's one of the ways that we're told that we need to be proactive in making sure that no one's trying to steal our identity and take out loans or credit card in our name by checking our credit score. Um, Maybe that's something that's on your mind. Maybe you know that you need to improve your credit score. It's not as good as it could be. Maybe you have a good credit score. Maybe you don't even think about credit scores at all. Uh, It's just not part of your mindset. I'm, I'm sure there's lots of people like that. But why are we thinking about this? Well, we're thinking about our credit score. It's this rating that we get, isn't it? How good is our credit? Our, how trustworthy are we? How well do we match up uh, in the eyes of banks, in the eyes of institutions who might entrust us with a loan? Well, as, as we come to look at Romans 4, Uh, What we see is Paul continuing to explain how the gospel gets received. The good news of God's salvation, that God makes people righteous in his sight. Not by works, not because we deserve it, not because we already are righteous and he just ticks the box and says, yeah, you passed the test, you are right. No, he gives us righteousness as a gift through the Lord Jesus. And in chapter 4, Paul goes back to the example of Abraham. shows that this, this idea of God giving righteousness as a gift, it's not new. It's not something that he's just concocted up in the last five minutes. No, this has been something that God has been doing, working out in his relationship with his people, Well, ever since Abraham. And what we see is that uh, as we continue our series looking at righteousness revealed, we see that righteousness gets credited. Righteousness gets credited. Well, let's, uh, let's turn to the passage and read before we go any further. Romans chapter 4 starting at verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one to whom 
God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? He wasn't after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And then, and he is then also the father of the circumcised who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Righteousness is credited. Paul has explained this in chapter 3. He's gone, he's been working hard to make this clear. God makes us right in his sight through what Jesus has done. Jesus, who was the only one obedient to God, the only one who did what was right, he dies, he takes the penalty of the sinner. His righteousness is credited, counted to our account. Not by works, we have nothing to boast about, but as a gift. Now, Paul says this is the same for Abraham, isn't it? He's saying Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Quoting back from Genesis 17. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Notice, not Abraham obeyed God. When God said, leave your home and your family and go to the land I will show you. And Abraham obeyed God. It was credited to him as righteousness. It's not it, is it? It's not when God said, dwell in this land, but you yourself don't get to put down roots and start to inhabit it. You dwell here as a nomad. And Abraham did. And he obeyed. It's not credited as righteousness. And when God said to test Abraham, said, I want you to offer up your only son, Isaac, and kill him as a sacrifice. And Abraham went through with it until he was restrained by God at the very last moment. His obedience was not credited as righteousness. No, it's Abraham's response to God's word. God says, this is how it will be. This is my promise. Abraham believes God. And God counts it as righteous. God counts Abraham as righteous. This is not like wages, Paul says. 
wages don't get given as a gift. You earn them. You do the time. You put in your hours. You click the uh, sign in, sign out. And you are owed that pay. That's not how this works. No, the one who doesn't do the work, the one who doesn't earn being righteous in God's sight, but who trusts God, their faith is credited as righteousness. Now, I hope this has been clear because we've been hearing it for lots of weeks, haven't we? this same message, and I hope to some degree we hear it every week because this is at the guts of the Christian faith. And I hope it's been clear because it's such good news. God justifies, he makes right in his sight the ungodly, people who don't deserve it. People who don't have a credit rating with God, that's excellent. Get treated as though we do. People who actually, not only we don't have a good credit rating, but we have a massive debt, don't we? A debt caused by our own sin. A debt that should be paid out with our death. Eternal death, facing the judgment of God. And yet God treats us not on the basis of our, our debt, not on the basis of our unrighteousness, but if we believe, if we are trusting in his provision in Jesus, he counts us as righteous. Now this is, this is fantastic news, isn't it? Fantastic news for Abraham all those years ago. Still fantastic in Paul's day. And it is wonderful news for us. Our debt is not counted against us. And that's why when David writes about it, he calls people in this category blessed. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. This is fantastic news. Sometimes we use the word uh, blessed cheaply. Um, here we go. I just had a quick look on the internet. Here's some pictures of things. Uh, there's nicely decorated hallway, uh, some spanakopita, a cat going to the final of some martial arts competition, a photo of a raven mountain in Austria. Uh, these are all things that people ha hashtag blessed. Uh, but, and they're good. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's good in all those things. But they don't compare to the blessing that we have. Having our sins covered in Christ's death. We can use the word blessed in a kind of small way. But here, David and Paul repeating it, is calling us blessed in a way that makes those other things kind of feel a bit insignificant. Blessed to have our 
debt are blessed to be treated as right in God's sight. I don't know how 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 much this this blessing connects with you. How much do you rejoice in this? Um, some people, just the way we we emotionally respond to things is different. That's okay. Uh, but sometimes we, some people are wired a bit more pessimistically and we focus sometimes more on the, the negative things. It's easy to get down about things. If you're in that category, then this maybe this is something that you need to just work a little bit harder at, is focusing on the blessing and remembering the wonderful privilege and rejoicing in it. Other people who... Other people who are more optimistic, sometimes they will do this more naturally. We rejoice in the good things that come. Uh, whichever category you're in, uh, this is something to be celebrated. The way that God works, crediting ungodly people as right covering over our sins with the blood of Jesus. Now, this is where we need to turn again and again, isn't it, in life? We, we keep turning to this as we continue to sin, as we continue to wrestle with the question of how does God think about me? It's easy to sometimes think, well, I'm not worthy. I, I don't deserve God's good opinion, I definitely haven't earned it. It's easy to focus on those those things and, and they're true. And we rightly confess our sins regularly. We're mindful of them before God, before each other, before ourselves. But in recognizing our unworthiness, We should be prompted to consider that God doesn't treat us like that. How are we credited righteousness? Well, we're credited righteousness through faith because of what Jesus has done. That's the, that's the first thing Paul addresses here. The second thing, it's a bit more curious, uh, not just how does it work, but when? When did Abraham get righteousness credited to him? Under what circumstances is the way it phrases it? Under what circumstances was Abraham credited righteousness? Particularly, was it before he was circumcised or after? Now, I'm sure this, this is a burning question in your mind. Uh, probably not. But for for the Jews in, in Paul's day, it is a significant question. When does God when does God work to make people righteous? When does he count them right in his sight compared to this important and significant mark of being part of God's people? being covered under God's promise, being a member 
of the covenant community. How do they go together? How are they related? Which one comes first? Which one's the chicken and which one's the egg? Well, that may not help you determine the order, does it? Uh, Which one precedes the other? And so Paul's asking that question. What circumstances was it when Abraham was credited righteousness? Well, he's very clear. Verse 10, it was not after circumcision, but before. This is big for the the Jews who prided themselves on all the trappings of being marked out as Jewish, even circumcision, as weird a thing it is to take pride in. The things that they as a nation, as children of Abraham, had to count themselves as different, as special. Here, Paul says, no, righteousness came before all that. Righteousness by faith. And the mark of circumcision came later, verse 11. He received circumcision, Abraham received circumcision, as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So the mark of the covenant comes later. And Paul is making clear here for the Jews that just having the marks of being Jewish, of being part of that nation, of being children of Abraham, that doesn't credit you righteousness. Going to the synagogue, performing uh, all the duties of the sacrifices, the Day of Atonement, the other festivals, they don't work to credit you righteous before God. What is it that credits righteousness? That's all. And those other things, well, they only serve a good purpose if they are indicating the reality of the righteousness that's already there by faith, don't they? They are the symbols, the signs that help remind them of that unseen reality of being righteous by faith. It's similar for us in the, the practices that we have, especially the, the, the symbols that Jesus gave his followers of baptism and the Lord's Supper. They themselves don't make us right before God. Coming up here and having bread and wine doesn't make you right before God. Being baptized doesn't make you right before God. Those are the symbols that point to the internal reality of being right with God, being righteous in His sight. And the only way for us to be right with God is by faith. That's why most of the time when we do the Lord's Supper here, there's a warning attached to it, isn't there? It reminds people, reminds us all, that we we don't have to participate. And if it's not right, because you know that 
you don't have that faith, you're not trusting in Jesus. And you don't need to go through with the outward visible sign of something that's not a reality. Same with, same with baptism. Uh, some people, and I think maybe more so in years gone by, uh, there, was a, there was a great stress about babies being baptised as soon as possible after they were born in case they got sick and died. The, the symbol of baptism was, was necessary to have to protect against dying unbaptised as though baptism itself achieved something in terms of the child's righteousness. But it's just, it's just a sign. Being part of God's family doesn't happen through signs. It happens through faith. And so Paul's conclusion here at the end is because of this, this ordering of things, because of this, this way that Abraham received righteousness, it was credited to him before he was circumcised, it means he's the father of all those who believe in God outside of circumcision. That means for Gentiles from the ends of the earth in places like Bromadary, we can call Abraham our father. in the sense that we belong in his family, the family that God is drawing together, the family that's marked out not by circumcision but by faith. We can sing the song, Father Abraham, his many sons. I'm one of them and so are you. We can, we can sing that. But then also, Abraham is the father of those who were circumcised too, who belong to that Jewish descent. But notice, it's Paul's sneaky here. It's not just everyone who was biologically descended from Abraham. It's not just everyone who called himself a Jew. He said Abraham is also the father of the circumcised, who are not only are circumcised, but who also follow the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. He's the father of those who aren't circumcised who believe, and he's the father of those who are circumcised who believe. See, believing is the thing that's key to being part of the family. Those who are circumcised but who don't follow in the footsteps of Abraham's faith, sadly, they are not receiving the righteousness that God has on offer. And so they're not truly able to call Abraham their father. I don't know what your credit score says. If you were to look it up 
online and get it checked if it would be good or if it would be bad. If it's bad, I know it's hard work to change, to improve credit scores. But before God, we can be credited with the righteousness of Jesus simply by believing. It's not hard work. It's not onerous. There's not lots of hoops to jump through, lots of symbols and rituals to tick off. It's simply by believing. It's good news. For those who believe, we truly are blessed. Let me give thanks. Great God, we thank you for the wonderful news of the gospel that explains that we can be right before you through faith, not based on what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done in living righteously and dying the death of a sinner in our place. Please help us to rejoice in this, to understand more and more how blessed we really are. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.